Amen. Thank you, Ivan. Um, I just want to say thank you, I guess, in, in, as I think about this being the last message. and um, I don't want to take the time to thank you all for the warm hospitality, the visits we've had. I know I didn't get around to everyone, but um, I just, it, it's a blessing. I feel, we feel welcomed here as a family, and we thank you for that. Um, I do understand that, that yesterday, or last evening, not all of you were here, so I, for the sake of those that weren't here, I want to just do a brief recap. What did we, what did, what were we talking about last evening? And last evening's message was, who am I? Not necessarily who am I in Christ, but who am I as a human being created in God's image? And so we talked about uh, I shared about we are creatures, we are made, God created us, and we're creatures that are dependent on God, but we're not just any creature, we're, crea- we're creatures created in God's image. And the way that we reflect God's image here today with us right now, there's three things, that, there's three ways that we reflect God's image, not in bodily form, but uh, we we reflect God's image in, in intellectually. God created us with the capacity to choose and to, to be rational beings. So intellectually, we reflect, we reflect his image. Socially, we're created for relationships, first with him and then with others. Socially, we reflect God's image. And then morally, we reflect God's image as well. That's why you have... People that are not born again, they don't have a relationship with Christ, still have that conscience within them that is semi-guided by that reflective image of Christ because they, they, they have a somewhat of a sense of right and wrong. People don't like to kill each other and, and look at the, uh, the people that do not believe in abortion but aren't Christians. And so we have that... We have that conscience within, within ourselves, outside of in a relationship with Christ, that I believe reflects the image of God. And so we, as human beings, that we covered uh, who am I as a human being before the relationship with Christ. And so, um, but not being any creature, we were a special creature that was created by God, created in the image of God, to have dominion over the earth. And so we're created in his image to have dominion over the earth. And God gave his image bearer a commandment. That commandment, uh, that command in the garden, we all understand that man rebelled against God, and that's how sin entered the world as we know it. Well, that relationship was severed, and that image that we carry, that image of God that we carry, was marred, and I used the illustration of that broken mirror, um, that when we look in a mirror and it's not broken, we can see exactly, we see that true reflection of ourselves staring back at us, but if that mirror is broken, it's hard to actually see what's in the mirror, what, what that person looks like, and therefore, in a similar sense, I know all analogies break down, but in a similar sense, 
God created us in his image. Through sin, we broke the mirror, so to speak. Man marred that image. And so now, we are left with a choice from that time when sin first entered the world, man has been, des- has, has been left with void, with a, with a need for that relationship back to God to be restored. And so what did God do? God sent his son. God, out of love for mankind, sent us a son. He sent us Jesus Christ. And those of us that trust in him, he has restored that relationship. He has restored that relationship. And that's where I want to pick up here this morning. So, those of us, I'm, I'm now, you have, to, you have to forgive me. I'm not, this is not necessarily an evangelistic message. So, the message is now, yesterday was who are we in the, who, what is our image generally speaking, but then who am I in Christ? And that's what we want to hit on this morning. Those of us that have put our faith and trust in Christ, what does that look like? What is, first we identify who we are in Christ, and then how do we walk that? What is a practical way that we can walk out our identity in Christ? And I just want to share with you a a little personal story. Um, This past summer, I had a health scare, had no idea what was going on, for about six weeks, I lived, um, I, I could probably say I, I, I was surviving. Um, and it turned out, for six weeks, I had an inner ear infection. And so I, I know what an ear infection feels like, and it wasn't that. And so I was confused. And I lost a brother to brain cancer, and now I'm having all these, all these things going on in my head. And for the first time ever, I struggled with depression. For six weeks, like it affected my my uh, psychological psychological being. I had no idea what was going on, but I was I was discouraged. I was depressed, and what is going on? But it was through understanding, gaining a better understanding of who I am in Christ, that actually slowly was able to get me out of that depression, and then. I did eventually go to the doctor as well and, and discovered I had an inner ear infection and, and uh, kind of the rest is history. But, but my own personal journey this past summer has been one of really trying to understand who I am in Christ and allowing that, walking that out to overcome those, those challenges. And so uh, Remember, God created man with choice. That's our intellect, how we reflect God's image. Uh, Just as Adam and Eve had a choice to make in the garden, we also, we also today, now in that need for Christ, that need for the relationship to be restored, we also have a choice. We have a choice whether or not we will reject God or accept that free gift of salvation Will we, will we choose to accept that gift or will we, will we reject him? 
where we choose to walk towards Christ or away from him. And here's, the, here's a little bit of what I want to... Uh, here's what I want to make my point in this morning, that salvation... Salvation is a free gift from God that he gave to us through his son, Jesus. But it will cost you everything. What do I mean by that? Salvation in and of of itself is free. For those that accept it, believe it by faith, salvation is a free gift. But so often, I see this in, our, in my culture of people. I already told you my, my background, my culture. And so I'm speaking out of experience here. I'm, I trust that there's other cultures like this. But so many times in our culture, we have this mentality that we're saved. And then we've kind of just, um, God, whatever you will, I'm surrendered to you, which is, which is good, which is good. But that there's, no, there's nothing expected from us. And I'm here to challenge that because I believe while the gift of salvation is free, the cost to follow Christ is great. We can't expect to follow Christ and then not do anything. But that word doing something scares us. We we get that idea that we're working for our salvation. No. The gift of salvation is free. There's nothing that we've done to earn it. However, in receiving it, much is required of us. Are we following? In receiving the gift, much is required of us. Part of that also has to do with walking out our identity. And so, in the scriptures, in the New Testament alone... I didn't count, as I understand it, there's many, many scripture references, over 160, I believe. I didn't specifically count them myself. Over 160 references in the New Testament about man being in Christ. I counted 20 or so just in Ephesians chapters 1 and 2 alone. There's 20 or so references in Christ. My hope this morning is that I would get you all to think about what the Bible says about us being in Christ and then walking that. And so many of us in trying to discover our identity, even as Christians, so many times, we get hung up. Remember the things that we're dependent on God with? It was the food and the housing, um, the very life that we have and the breath that we breathe and our plans that we make, like it says in James chapter 4. We are utterly dependent on God for those things. But the temptation is that in the in being dependent upon God for for food, for example, we sometimes forget that it's God blessing us with those things and we take matters into our own hands. When we go to work or when God gifts us a business that 
we take matters into our own hands, and we want to try and we want to start a business to provide for our family. That's a good thing, or we we want to do whatever whatever is in our capacity to provide for our family. We do. That's good. Manage to work. But often, where we get tripped up is we make the quality of our work the measure of our worth. And so you might have something that you're trying to provide, right? You're trying, a man's trying to provide, and even, even ladies, you're trying to raise up the children with the help, obviously, of your husband. And I don't know how many in here homeschool or they might send. I think you have a school in the church, right? But you try and raise up your children, and, and we feel. We sin. We sin in the process. And the temptation is to make the quality of how well or how, how not well we're doing this, we tend to make that the measure of our worth. And that can trip us up. We take what we do, the things that we're, that we're actually dependent upon God for, but we take the things that we do and decide, you know what, I'm just not worth it. I can't do this. I've failed too many times. There's no way that God would want me in this position. Or whatever your challenge might be. But the temptation is to, them, to make the quality of our work the measure of our worth. And I'm saying, don't do that. Don't do that. It has nothing to do with your work. Or your worth, I'm sorry. The quality of your work has nothing to do with how God sees you. Your identity in Him. And there's three things here I want you to remember. Don't make the quality of your work the measure of your worth. That's one. And two is your identity. Your identity in Christ is received. We just receive it. It's not achieved. Your identity is received. It's not achieved. And then the third one is a little bit more complicated, but when we understand our being, our being in Christ, when we understand that, that affects our behaving. When our behaving starts transforming, we start becoming. We start becoming, restoring that image that God first intended for man. And so we have a choice, just like Adam had. We have a choice. We can understand. And I'm going to walk through some of these. I mentioned that there's many, many in Christ um, uh, scriptures, verses in the Bible. I'm not covering all of those this morning. I'm going to go over six. Uh, yes, six. I'm just going to cover a few here this morning. And then hopefully... In a practical way, we can start to understand what it looks like to walk out our identity. So I'm going to cover six. So the three things are, don't make the quality of your work the measure of your worth. Your identity is received, not achieved. 
and that when we understand our being in Christ, it affects our behaving. And in our behaving, we start becoming. It's, it's, it's given, and it changes us, and that image starts getting restored. So the, the, the first one that I have here, in Christ, we are justified. In Christ, we are justified and are being sanctified. So instantly, upon the saving grace, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, by accepting that, we're instantly justified. Justified meaning there is justice served for sin of man on my behalf because of Christ. Immediately, justice has been served. We are justified. We are in Christ. but are being sanctified. There's a measure of that that happens simultaneously. For example, I shared my testimony and, and the, 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 the night I was saved, there was also a measure of sanctification that happened because those struggles that I had, I was instantly healed from. So there's a measure of of that that happens simultaneously, not the same for everyone. But we are immediately justified and are being sanctified. That's the first one. Romans chapter 3, verse 24, Paul writes, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. In Christ we are justified. Number two is in Christ we are children of God. In Christ we are his children. 1 John chapter 3 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. And so we can understand in the challenges that we face, as His children, the world first rejected Him. We should expect some form of rejection. Does that make it sometimes it doesn't make it easier, but in our deeper understanding of that, it can make it possible. It can make it possible. In Galatians chapter four, Paul again writes, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son than an heir of God through Christ. So in Christ we are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the high king. We are his. We are adopted into his family. We get his benefits. In Christ we are loved. That's the third one. In Christ we are loved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he hath loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you have been saved. Who, in that relationship, who made the first move? God called us to himself. While we were dead in our transgressions, God said, I want you, brother. I want you, sister. God made the first move and loved us while we were yet in our sin. I can't comprehend that, but that's what Scripture says. 
And the question, actually, one more thing. Since we are loved, we have the capacity to love. By the, by the grace of his Holy Spirit within us, if we are loved and we understand that, we have the capacity to love. And the question I asked this morning, do you live, do you live as you're loved? Do you live as you're loved? That's the question. Or is it just merely something that we know intellectually? Do we live as we're loved? And so John chapter 15, John says, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And here's the doing I was talking about. If you do what I command you, John says it like we have a choice. He says it like we have a choice. We can either, we can embrace that love that God has for us and extend it to our brother. We have a choice in that. Or we can take the things that has been done against us and again, turn our back toward God. We have a choice to move towards God in demonstrating the love for brothers and sisters or we can turn our back towards him. That's a choice that we have. That's a choice that we have. And in embracing our identity, we should be able to lay down Scripture says no greater love do we have than laying down our life for our brother. And so this relationship that may be severed, may be challenged, not severed, may be challenged. We have the power within us to restore it by the aid of the Holy Spirit. That's walking out our identity. We are loved so we love. We're loved, so we love. In Christ, here's the fourth one. In Christ, we are redeemed. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. That re- the word redeemed means to be bought back. We were, once, we were once, because of sin and our rebellion against God, we were the enemies. But Christ, in his great love for us, purchased us back so that we can belong to him. In Christ, we're redeemed, brothers and sisters. And what does Paul tell us in 2 Corinthians? We have now been given the gift of reconciliation. Are we living that? That's our identity. We're redeemed. And so back again with this relationship. We have the capacity not only to love, but we also have the capacity to reconcile. Back in 2019, two months after we came back from Puerto Rico, I was serving as a, as a leader in our church. And a young man my age passed away suddenly 
with a heart attack. I'd known him for years. They had just left the Amish. While we were in Puerto Rico, they left the Amish and came to church. But I had known him for years. They had left the Amish, started coming to our church. And it was a really, really challenging situation. Because the Amish, and I'm just hear this for what it's worth. The Amish, since they had only been removed a couple months, the Amish wanted to carry out the funeral and the, 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 um, the viewing process and things like that. How do you do that? They were coming to our church, and, and we've been automatically, we've stepped in and we're working on the details, and all of a sudden we get this pushback from the Amish, from specifically the family. And it was causing frustration in our church. And by the grace of God, he put this verse on my heart, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I said, brothers, we have the ministry of reconciliation. We have that. They might not. They might not. And so who bears the responsibility for this relationship? We do. We do. It's in our capacity to make a difference. If they're still walking in darkness, and I'm not judging here, but there was conflict. In that conflict, we can be assured that we are in Christ, and being in Christ, we have the minister of reconciliation, and therefore, we are responsible, we are accountable, just like Adam was in the garden. We are accountable for that, because we have that ministry of reconciliation. Are we walking that? Are we living that? It's one thing to know it. It's a whole other thing to live it and to walk it out. So you see the practical application. We can know that we have the ministry ministry of reconciliation. We can know that we are redeemed. But are we the one that has taken accountability for that redemption in the relationships, whatever it might be? And you know what? You might even understand it. You might even walk it. But you're going to make a mistake. In that, you're going to sin. But the beautiful thing is that the Lord, in his grace, all he wants from us is repentance. He will convict us when we do wrong, and we just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm sorry, I repent. That was my fault. I sinned against you. Please forgive me. That's all he wants. And in that process, we we are sanctified. We're immediately justified. But in this process... We're sanctified. We're sanctified. And when these hard things come, we can remember, we can remember that we're justified. We're still in him. Yes, we sinned, but we're still in him. That didn't change. But because of the Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit quickens us when we sin, and we just walk in obedience, we repent, and move on. Move on. Where was I? Four, we are redeemed, right? Number five is in Christ we are chosen. We are chosen people. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. We are God's possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. We are chosen to proclaim his excellencies because he finishes there because you were once not a people. But now you are a people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, so many times I as a father can be impatient with my children. But if I walk in my identity in Christ, Christ says, I am chosen. I have received mercy. And when I walk in that, I extend mercy. I extend mercy. Number six, we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Does anybody want to know? For good works. For good works, brothers and sisters. We're created for good works. No, the good works don't account for anything on salvation. But since we are saved, since we are saved, we are called, we are his workmanship. And we are created in Christ Jesus for those good works. And so, what does it look like, practically speaking? Now, when life comes at us, we've talked about these six things. We're justified and being sanctified. We're his children. We are loved. We are redeemed. We are chosen. We are his workmanship. Now, how do we practically walk that out? I shared some. This is going to sound a little bit elementary, so forgive me. But I believe that when we sin in this way or when we're challenged with relationships, life comes at us. Remember how last night, last evening I said we're physically fragile as a result of the sin in the garden. We're physically fragile. Our bodies decay. We're also spiritually vulnerable. So we have things coming against us constantly. Paul says that we need to continue to die in our flesh. When those things happen, The earlier in in our sanctification process, the quicker we revert back into the old man. I don't know if I said that right, but we we tend to, to turn away from pushing through. The earlier we are in our sanctification process, because of having lived in the flesh for all those years, our tendency is to revert back. What would happen? And this, is, this, is part, this was part of my process this summer. In that depression, in that fog, I said, no, Satan. No. I am created for his workmanship. The Lord is doing a work in my life, and I'm going to allow that. 
and I'm going to rest in the fact that the Lord is working. I will not let him have a foothold. And we can, we can remember in those times that we are chosen. When, when, our cho- when something doesn't go right with relationships, we can remember that I am loved. I have received mercy. And therefore, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to walk in that. And I'm going to offer that love. I'm going to offer that mercy to my neighbor. That's walking out our identity. But it takes a choice. It takes a choice. We cannot sit back and say, God, do the work in me, and then do nothing, and expect you, brother and sister, to come to me and redeem the situation. We, we can't. I mean, yes, that happens. The Holy Spirit in someone else's life can do that, but that's, that's incomplete. The Lord is asking something of us. We need to be accountable for the relationship. We need to offer love. We need to offer mercy. We have the ministry of reconciliation. And so I believe, brothers and sisters, the better that we understand, we memorize scripture, we understand those things that make up our identity in Christ, the more that we have an understanding of them. And I think a great idea would be to, to at some point, Identify those things and, and learn what they are. Memorize them. And then as our sanctification process continues on and those challenges come, we're tempted to react. Something comes against us and we're tempted to react. But the longer the sanctification process goes on, we remember our identity. And then we walk in our identity. I'm going to leave you with a verse from Philippians 4. It's a verse that I think sometimes gets taken out of context. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 14, Paul writes, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Paul is is commending them for his concern for him. He's commending them. But then he says, not that I have a lack of want, not that I need anything. I'm grateful that you were concerned. Not that I speak from want, he says. But I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. I know how to get along with humble means. And I know also how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both having abundance and suffering need. And here's the verse that we all know. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And sometimes where this verse gets taken out of context is we take this verse and make it mean that we can accomplish anything that we want. It's like we use God as this... this, 
I won't say it. That's not what the verse means. The all things that this, that Paul is talking about is what he just described. I can do all things. I can do, I can live in humble means by God who strengthens me. I can live in prosperity with God who strengthens me. I can live being filled by God who strengthens me. I can live being hungry by God who strengthens me. You want to talk about somebody that was living in his identity? That's, the, that's, the, that's what we should attain for. We can live in whatever circumstance. By the one who gives us strength, we can live in whatever circumstance we face. And I believe that God allows some of these things to come into our life as a direct means of sanctification. And it was through understanding some of these things myself that in the challenges of life that I face, we can say, okay, Lord, what is it? What is it? Not why. But what is it, Lord, that you want from me? Reveal that so that I can repent and so that I can be forgiven and so that I can be sanctified. So that progression, that progression of sanctification, but it will cost us everything. We need to make a choice to continually walk in the identity that Christ has given us We are justified. We are his children. We are loved. We are redeemed. We are chosen. We are his workmanship. When we can internalize that, when we understand that, we can take a moment and say, okay, no, this is who Christ says I am. This is who Christ says I am. And by the grace of God, I'm going to walk in it. Amen? I think that's all I have. Ivan, if you want to come up, I just want to express appreciation. And I just encourage, I exhort all of you to really take a deep look into Scripture and identify more of those things. Identify those, those things, that, those, those uh, attributes, I called them last night, that, that God extends to us that we can identify as his. Identify those things and walk by God's grace. We have the power to walk in that by the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own, but we have Christ in us. We can do that. We can do that. And I implore you to walk in that way. Thank you so much for the great weekend. Thank you for your hospitality. And uh, we love and appreciate you all in Christ.